0: Thank you, Jesus. Hopefully, there's enough notes. If not, I might have to share something. So, Lord, we just, um, right now, we just invite you right into the center of this meeting. Lord, we know you're already here at the center, and we thank you for that. And we pray, Lord, that you would open all of our hearts right now to receive the word, that the soil in our hearts would be good soil. And that we could receive the word of God into the good soil in our hearts. And that it would produce 30, 60, and 100 fold. Mm -hmm. So Lord, I just pray that your word would go forth right now and would land in good soil. And that each one of us can produce from this word that you're giving us tonight. Lord, I just pray that every person here can walk away with something from this message that you have, Lord. We ask you for that in Jesus' name. Okay, I'm just going to do a little bit of review, and then I'll get into some of the new material. Um, But if you haven't been here, what we've been talking about is uh, Roman Numeral One. We've been talking about the work of the Holy Spirit and um, what He wants to do in each of us, each of our souls, He wants to actually cause us to be, slash, be made like unto Jesus. Mm -hmm. So Jesus is the ideal, right? He's the God-man. He's the, the firstborn among many brethren, right? If he's the firstborn, that means there's many others, right? If you know Jesus, you're a sibling with Christ. He's our brother, he's our father, he's our love, right? He's all of these things. But, but what the Holy Spirit wants to do is he wants to make us look just like him. Jesus is the ideal. And so it's not just, I'm going to make you a little better in this life, or I'm going to give you a little anointing or a little power to do something. It's like, no, he actually wants you to be like Christ in the earth. Like Christ living his life in you and through you to your sphere of influence. That's a big statement when you actually think about that, right? How much of us are walking like Christ? And yet Holy Spirit, that's what he wants to do. He wants to so transform us and conform us so that we are walking out like Christ. Like the Apostle Paul said, it is no longer I who lives, but it's Christ who lives in me. Think about that statement. I mean, it's like one of our favorite quotable verses, but it's a radical, radical statement. He's saying, I don't live my own life anymore. Yeah, I used to have a life, you know? I was a Pharisee. I was all these things, right? He goes, I don't live my own life. The only life that's going on right now is Christ in me and through me. And so that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do in each one of us. Um, Roman New Roman numeral two the Holy Spirit possesses us and we possess the Holy Spirit Okay, this is like a grand love story you know the song of songs says my lover belongs to me and I belong to him Um, when Jesus prayed before he went to the cross he said all things that are mine are yours and yours are mine and I am glorified in them Um, so this whole thing is like um, it's mutual relationship it's not just one way that makes sense. It's a love story, right? You can't have a relationship unless it's both ways. And so it's a mutual relationship. Okay, overview of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Okay, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. um, First, I'm just going to touch on the fact, okay, uh, number A there under three. Okay, to the Father, we could say that is attributed creation okay the father is the one who created all things we can say kind of make these general broad strokes here the son we attribute the redemption of all mankind right and the holy spirit we attribute the sanctification of souls now they all do much more and they all work together as one but those are kind of broad strokes um how does the holy spirit bring about our sanctification okay there's two ways. The first way is these acquired virtues that we've been talking about. Acquired virtues, so when you get saved, there's a certain grace that you have because the Holy Spirit comes to live in you. So even when you're a brand new baby Christian, you have a certain amount of grace on your life, right? To carry things out in Christ, right? And so there's also with that grace is an ability to help you acquire virtues, like good habits, reading your Bible, you know, going to church, um, just doing the basic things of the faith. These are acquired virtues. Um, The the grace to put off the old man, right, and put on the new man. There's just a certain grace that we have as Christians, and then we cooperate by obeying. You know, there's obedience. We cooperate, and and then we acquire virtue, um, goodness, kindness, all these things. We acquire these things, right? There's also uh, the second way. The second way is when the Holy Spirit infuses um, his gifts into us. That's like a completely different realm than acquiring them and good habits, right? Infusing is when he um, is doing a work that is purely of the Lord. And he is just putting this stuff in us like... And I mean, there's many examples of this, but it's supernatural, like supernatural abilities to do things we could never do or to know things we could never know. Like when you get a word of knowledge, you can't acquire a good habit of getting a word of knowledge. That's a word from the Lord, right? When that man came up to me last night, you know? Sometimes if somebody comes and gives you a word, I mean, you have to test that. You don't know right? Is that of the Lord or is that not of the Lord? So you kind of hold it lightly, you pray into it, you ask the Lord yourself, was that of you, God? Because you don't automatically assume that truly is from the Lord. He might be off or he might be right. Um, however, if it doesn't conflict with the word of God, you pray into it, you ask God, you get confirmation, that kind of thing. But if you get a true word from the Lord, that's an infused Thing. That's an infused gift. So um, that's the difference between acquired virtues and infused virtues. Um, so Roman number four. Okay, this, The uh, scripture that speaks of the gifts of the Holy Spirit comes out of Isaiah 11.2. And we've been talking about this. And there's, um, there's seven gifts of the Holy Spirit, the sevenfold Holy Spirit. Um, Their wisdom and understanding, counsel and might, or fortitude, um, the knowledge of God, godliness, which is piety, and the fear of the Lord. Those are the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit talked about in Isaiah 11:2. 2. Um, and then um, the next page, page two, basically I give you kind of a quick overview of, of all of these gifts that we've been kind of going over this before Um, there's fear of the Lord which is not like a servile fear or a fear of punishment but it's fear of being apart from Christ we don't want to be separated from our beloved there's divine might or fortitude which is um, the gift of the Holy Spirit where you can overcome and persevere I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me there's a spirit of godliness, piety, which is a gift whereby um, we will gladly spend our self on others and on the Lord. It, it gives us so much love for God, we're willing to do anything for him. Um, those three gifts, um, they give us an ability to rule over our soul, basically our will and our emotions. So... Um, The fear of the Lord, the divine might, the spirit of godliness, it's like they help us to order our affectivity, our affections, our emotions, our will, that part of our soul. So when the spirit of God in us is ruling over our soul, which is what we want it to do, right? We don't want our flesh to be the highest part. We want our spirit to be the highest part controlling our flesh, right? Because when the flesh controls... It doesn't go well for us right we're full of ourselves we're full of pride and all kinds of things and that's why the lord gives us holy spirit and it's like okay the spirit of god is going to rule over your flesh and it's going to use these gifts to do that these gifts enable that to happen so the first three kind of rule over the will and the um emotions so the, the last four pertain to the intellect, so the mind. So mind, will, and emotions, that's your soul. Okay, so the last four pertain to the intellect. The gift of counsel, the gift of knowledge, the gift of understanding, and the gift of wisdom. Um so real quick, the gift of counsel, it's where you're getting clear guidance from the Lord. Um, all of these, by the way, there's like there's the acquired and the infused. And so, um, for instance, like um, the gift of counsel, for instance, when it's an acquired gift, a a virtue, it's called prudence. You know, it's like you're going to make prudent decisions. You kind of get wisdom from other people and you acquire these good ways to make decisions. Um, The infused gift of counsel is like you're getting clear guidance from the Holy Spirit you know, supernaturally, to to how do you deal with this situation? Holy Spirit, come, and gives you that clear guidance. So in each one of these, just think in terms of there's two things, the acquired and the infused. And so the infused is the higher one, obviously, right? The acquired is good. We need that. It kind of helps us grow. But the infused is like that's where we're really getting direct from heaven. So gift of knowledge, for instance, we can use study, like do Bible study tools, right, use science, use whatever we can to learn and gain knowledge but then there is the infused knowledge of God that we want at a higher level and so that is where like you think of the two on the road to Emmaus right and they and the Lord opened their mind to understand all the scriptures from Genesis to you know to to when the Lord came and he opened their minds so that they would understand all these scriptures point to him They did not know that through any Bible study, right? The Lord infused that into them when he spoke to them on the road to Emmaus and they were like, whoa, now I'm getting it, you know? Now I'm getting understanding. And so that's the difference between acquired and infused. Um, If we have a perfect, like really, when I say perfect, I mean mature. If we have like a mature gift of knowledge, we get completely detached from the world because what a what a um, fully mature gift of knowledge will do is it will make you see the futility of this, of this world and the things of this world. And you will see that so clearly that you will want to run to Jesus to uh, pursue that which is not futile, if that makes sense. Um, Like Luis Martinez, he says, the first action of the gift of knowledge is to reveal in a profoundly intuitive manner and with irresistible conviction the vanity of things. After this vision, we turn earnestly to God and begin to walk the road of Christian perfection. Uh, That's what the gift of knowledge will do at a very high level. Okay, gift of understanding, the ability to enable the soul to penetrate truth deeply. Um, to understand the mysteries of God. Um, Again, we need, um, this is really the gift of understanding. It's one of the gifts of contemplation. So when we enter into deeper prayer, contemplation, we're getting understanding from heaven. We're beginning to understand the mysteries of God. I mean, you can only get that acquired a little bit, (laughs) you know, a little bit when we do our Bible studies. You can get something. But when you get the infused gift of understanding, it's the Lord opening things up to know the mysteries and the truths of the faith. Uh, page three, the gift of wisdom. This is the one that coordinates. It's the supreme gift of all of the intellectual gifts, and it coordinates all of them. Um, for the spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. Um, in the highest degree, the gift of wisdom, the soul lives as it, its in heaven. So on the inside, you are getting such an understanding of kind of everything that's going on. You're walking around with heaven on the inside. And we have that, but like a really mature gift of wisdom, you not only have that, but you're walking in it, and you know it. You know, you're walking around with this union with God that's really amazing. Okay, so that was the review. Hopefully you're kind of all caught up a little bit. Um, Now I'm going to start going into the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The fruits of the Holy Spirit can be found in that Galatians passage about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, right, Uh long-suffering. I'm doing this off the top of my head, so I missed a few, I'm sure. But um, I'm going to get into those. But first, I'm going to go into a little bit more on the Holy Spirit as the paraclete or the consoler, the comforter. Um, The Christian life does not erase suffering that comes with life in a fallen, sinful world. Rather, God uses the pains of this life to purify the heart. The call to the Christian is to take up our cross and follow in the path of Christ. Um, There's that verse there from John 17. Uh, Quote from Luis Martinez, he wrote awesome book on the Holy Spirit, which I'm getting a lot of this from. So, quote is the Christian life is a reflection of the life of Jesus. The heart of the Christian is the image of the divine heart. It can contain if it is faithful to Jesus, both deep pain and celestial consolations. Okay, so pain and joy can be intermingled. And they are intermingled. That's really what our life consists of before we see the Lord and go into the age to come, right? We're all going to experience pain and suffering. Danielle. I had an experience in this area uh, in very short when I left to go to be a missionary my family was in the States. It was kind of like um, water and oil on top of the water. It was that grace that was kind of the that oil sealing that they could not feel the pain. I, I was missing them. I was and I felt that through different times, different seasons that kind of like, you know oil that stays in doubt is that grace that covers that you don't really touch the pain that much because it's that grace that's a good picture I like that that's really good Um, uh, number C because the Holy Spirit is infinite love he can console the heart that is filled with pain Knowledge is precious, but it does not console. Only love can console the heart. The Holy Spirit can enfold us in a heavenly manner such that pain and joy are intermingled. Okay, D. One consolation the Holy Spirit gives to the soul is the joy of freedom. If we are not joyful, it's because we are not free. We carry chains that mind us. These chains are attachments to the world. They may be material wealth of the world that has our heart, like the rich young ruler. Or they may be pleasures that weaken our will or pride that keeps us from leaning on our beloved one. Um, those who are not free of these attachments, or those who are free of these attachments, are the souls that are the most joyful. And so there's different examples in history. Um, St. Francis of Assisi is a great one if you know his story at all. He was he was like the rich young ruler. He ha- had everything, but when he found Christ, he threw it all away, and he became a very happy poor man who loved Jesus so much and would love to run around barefoot and you know look at birds and you know there's so much he did, but he he didn't have the attachments anymore. And when he got free of the worldly attachments, he was literally had so much happiness and joy, even though his life was filled with pain. It was filled with a lot of pain. He suffered greatly, but he had so much joy. You should read his biography if you haven't ever read a biography on him. It changed my life. There's one written by Saint Bonaventure, who knew him, um, and Thomas of Solano, who also, these are like really old books they are eyewitnesses, and so you can read, you know, really old work, and it's awesome. Um, okay, E, we possess God in the measure that we are detached from earthly things. If we're perfectly detached, then we have union with God at the highest level, or we could have that's available to us when we're so detached. I don't think the two could really happen without each other. You've got to be detached to be in union with God. Um, Union with God on the interior is a manifestation of heaven on the inside. And here's a a quote. Um, When love calls me, I do not ask questions. I follow. Because wherever it takes me, there will we be. The beloved, myself, and our love. And that is heaven. So I just love that. Because it pretty much sums it all up. Um, Missy Edwards song. I'm in love with you. You're in love with me. And that settles it. You know, that settles everything. That's simple. Truth. Um, Paragraph F. The Holy Spirit gives us the consolation of hope. When we obey the Lord, we have in our heart the substance of things hoped for. Hebrews 11.1 The Holy Spirit is given to us as a pledge of things hoped for. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the pledge of our inheritance. So we have a glorious future for all eternity with the lover of our souls with endless delight and union with the Holy One. By possessing the Holy Spirit on the inside, we have a taste of that heavenly delight here. So he's the down payment, but there's much, much more to come. So we can hope, we can, even with all the crazy bad things that are happening in the earth, right? Don't look at the news. (laughs) It can really get overwhelming. But no, we can hope so much for the future. Christ is coming back. Like, he really is going to make all things right. He's coming back to the earth. And he's going to have justice in his heart, and he will bring it about. So, Isaiah chapter 2, we, some of us have been taking a, a class listening to Mike Bickle, but he really preaches it out of Isaiah 2. It gives you such a picture of the glorious, mountain house the Lord will have in Jerusalem, right? The heavenly Jerusalem is going to come down kind of hover over the earthly Jerusalem, but it will be one throne and there's going to be beauty untold and it's a mountain house because it's 1500 miles square it's going to be greater, bigger than any mountain and it'll be filled with glory filled with wonder, a city made not with human hands, right? A heavenly city coming down Resting over the earth with Christ himself on the earth. Look at Isaiah 2. It is dramatic. If we actually believe what the Bible says. It is so dramatic. Because there's going to be people on the earth who literally aren't saved yet. Who will, leaders will come to see this place that he's ruling and reigning. And they will be undone. Right? Jesus is the greater Solomon. He's going to have the kingdom above all kingdoms, and people will flow. It says the nations will flow to Jerusalem. I've got to see this. I've got to hear what this man is saying. I've got to go there. I've got to see this for myself. I've got to see it with my own eyes. And they'll be in wonder. It says in that chapter, he's going to rebuke many people. So you know, it's like some people are in trouble, you know? He's gonna make things right. He's gonna rebuke many people and his judgments will bring about peace in the earth for a thousand years. Like his judgments are so good, they're gonna bring about peace, true peace. So what's coming is the most glorious thing we could possibly imagine and the end times is not all, oh, doom and gloom, right? No, it's just a birthing canal. So that the baby's going to be birthed into this, the baby being the reign of Christ on the earth, right? They'll go through a little transition time, pain time of pain, right? There's going to be um, a man of sin, Antichrist figure rising up in the earth, right? Possessed by the devil, wreaking havoc. However, all of that is going to come to a head, and Jesus is going to come back and settle it, settle it for all. So what's coming is amazing. And if you look at Isaiah 2, just contemplate that chapter for a while about how glorious this beautiful mountain house of the Lord is in Jerusalem. You want him to come back. Instead of, because, It's because we're attached to this earth, we get nervous, we get scared, right? But we need to get attached to him and what he's doing and the heavenly place that's in front of us and then we're just like no fear, in love we want him, Lord come back Um, so that's what's coming, that was a big um, rabbit trail Um, so let's see paragraph G another consolation the Holy Spirit gives to the soul is that of the joy of suffering, how can there be joy in suffering it is because love is stronger than death Set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm, for love is as strong as death. Okay, a great thing is love. Here's another quote. A great good every, every way which alone lightens all that is burdensome, bears equally all that is unequal, for it carries a burden without it being hard burdened, and it makes all else that is bitter sweet and savory, Nothing is sweeter than love. Nothing is stronger, nothing higher. When weary, it is not tired. When straightened, it is not constrained. When frightened, it is not disturbed. Okay, that's Thomas Kempis in Imitation of Christ. Um, so love is as strong as death. It's also stronger than our suffering, right? Because in our suffering, we can receive the consolations of the Lord. So, we can find our joy even in our place, even in our times of suffering. Like, that's what the Lord will do for us. He is the great comforter, the consoler. Um, Just to give you, like, an example that happened just recently a friend of ours, uh, a young woman married with three children, um, one of them special needs. um, Her husband suddenly um, died. He had a horrible accident um, and anyways, super tragic super like sudden um, we were all like in complete shock um, praying for her she lives, you know her family has been longtime Livermore residents, friends of ours anyways um, it was so horrible you know, we were praying God, give our friend Jenny give her a dream you know, console her heart like, because if you see the sparrow that falls, surely you knew that her husband was going to have this accident. You know, I mean, they love God. They're Christians. It's like, why would this happen? It seems so horrible. And we're, so we were praying that she would get a dream. Well, she got a dream. And it's the most amazing thing. Like, she encountered her husband in a dream. And he sat across the table from her. And they talked and she asked him what happened, you know, because nobody saw this accident. She asked him, did it hurt? He said, no, it didn't hurt at all. And he said, Jenny, if you could just see from my vantage point, all is well, it's going to be okay. You know, and she got this tremendous consolation, you know, from the Holy Spirit in this dream that all is well, you know. And it just, it was so amazing. And this is what the Lord does. This is what it does. And even tonight, our prayers for the kids and these families, you know, let's believe for that and pray for that, for these dreams, you know, for family members, for everything. You know, the one that died, you know, all of that. We can pray into this because it's not catching the Lord off guard, you know, catches all of us off guard for sure. Like we didn't expect that, like. Whoa, you know? But the Lord's like, I got it. I have this. So, um, paragraph H because Christ suffered for us, this not only conquered death for us, but also conquered suffering for us. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? Okay, all of our pain and our suffering can be joined to Christ in union with Him on the cross. And when we look up at him at the cross, we're healed of all of our maladies. Similar to the children of Israel who just had to look up at the serpent on the pole and be healed. So this same act of faith, of looking at Christ in his suffering, will cure us of any malady. For it is in this place we discover his nearness to us. And when I say cure, I don't mean necessarily physically. I mean we will get that consolation from the Holy Spirit, that all is well, right? Because he's bigger than what happens in this space and time. So when I'm speaking of being healed of all your maladies and cured, he might do it physically, but his thing is not, I'm just going to get you out of this suffering. I mean, sometimes that's what we want. His thing is, no, I'm giving you the consolation in the suffering, and then you will be joined to me because I had it when I was suffering for you, Right? who for the joy set before him he endured the cross like he had that for us he can give that to us when we're going through our own cross Mm -hmm. so that's what I mean by being healed by being uh, cured it's not necessarily the getting out of the suffering or the physical healing I mean he might do that at times he does do that but the greater thing that's happening is the consolation we get through the suffering and we get to know him and become into such deep union with him through our pain he uses pain he really really uses it in our lives Um, I God knows how to exactly proportion the joys and sorrows to bring about his ways in our life though mostly we detest the trials that come our way these same trials help us to detach from the world they purify us They cause us to love God without strings attached, and they open our eyes to his infinite love for us. Okay, so these trials are so necessary. They're very necessary for us. Uh, Paragraph J. The fruits of the Spirit. Okay, now I'm going to start getting into the fruits. The fruits of the Spirit are called fruits because they can be compared to plants. When they reach maturity, produce fruits whose traits are sweetness and deliciousness. When we come into maturity in the Lord, we, we will also produce fruits that have like a heavenly quality. And the Song of Songs, it says, I've come into my garden, I gather my myrrh and my spices. The scriptures here compares the soul to a garden. God is coming to gather the fruits from the garden of our soul pair of K the fruits of the spirit are present in every stage of the Christian life. They are virtues that come with the grace of God and they grow as the soul matures. The grace is at work to take back what was lost in the Garden of Eden and in the place of full maturity the spirit of man is fully in union with the Spirit of God and the Spirit orders the soul of man to be subject to it, just like Adam had that in the garden, right? all was ordered correctly in that place and he had this amazing union with God in that place so when we get born again that's what Holy Spirit is about to do in our lives sanctification is that process of ordering our spirit in that way and then beginning to produce the fruits in our soul which is like a garden I always see that soul as like What's the soil looking like in there? You know, till up that soil, you know, when the seed comes, let it go in, let it produce a fruit. Okay, so the fruits of the Spirit are listed in Galatians 5. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Some of the fruits are the same as the virtues or the gifts of the Spirit, but they are different realities. The fruits presuppose a level of maturity, okay? You can't have the fruit until the plant grows up enough to produce a fruit. Even though it's all stages of Christian life, right? We still grow in maturity. Even baby Christians will get a little seed, it will grow and produce a little bit of fruit, right? And then deeper and deeper ones happen. Um, So it, it presupposes something. So fruits are something that come with maturity And they're fruits of the Holy Spirit. They're not things that we can do. They're not like, um, they're produced, that makes sense. So let's look at the first one. Hopefully this will be an example that will make it clear. The first fruit is love. Okay, so think of it again. We have the acquired virtues, we have the infused virtues, and then we have the fruits. Now, all three of those could be the same word, right? All three of those could be love, but they're all three different realities. So, love as a virtue, right? When we receive Christ into our heart by grace, the gift of love is given through the Holy Spirit. The gift is first an acquired virtue, right? We decide to love, we make choices in the grace of God, helping us to love God, helping us to love others, right? That's an acquired virtue of love. Sometimes you just have to decide to love people. You guys track with that, right? If you're not feeling it, you just decide to love them, right? Um, The infused virtue of love is an increase by receiving his love in a supernatural infused way. When When we know what he thinks of us and how much he loves us, we are transformed on the inside, right? And then there exists a maturing of this gift of love in us. When we really get around how much God loves us, it's so transformative. Okay, that's infused love. Okay, and then when this gift of love, right, this fruit, when it comes to maturity, then there's the fruit of love in our lives. And that fruit is produced when we manifest the love of God in both loving him and loving others out of the love of Christ, even in supernatural ways, like the ability that some people had during the Holocaust, right, to love their enemies, like Corrie ten Boom, right, forgiving and loving those people who harmed her and did wrong to her was prison guards um, that is a mature fruit of the spirit right love forgiveness that's very mature like that was produced by the holy spirit in her so if you're kind of tracking with me there's like the three different things it could be the same name but you've got the acquired then you've got the infused and then you've got the fruit and they're like three different realities and so when you're reading the scripture, when you're kind of looking at all of these gifts of the Holy Spirit, fruits of the Holy Spirit, think in terms of those three things. Acquired, infused, and then the fruit. Because they all might have the same name, but they're different. It's, they're in different stages and different realities. They have different ways that they're working themselves out in us. Okay, lastly, the fruits of the Holy Spirit have two characteristics. They presuppose a certain degree of maturity. Like I said, the plant has to grow enough to produce some fruit. Um, Two, they produce a sweetness in the interior of the soul. So when we have the fruit of these things, the fruit of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, when that is manifest in us, right, you can't really do those things. You can try to acquire those virtues and ask God to help you for sure. But when those things are fully manifest, they're actually coming out of us in a manifested way from the Holy Spirit, there is such a consolation on the inside of walking in that. Walking in that kind of, that's like how Christ walked. He walked that out. Those fruits that were coming out of him, right? Think of the kindness of Christ. He's the most kind person you could ever meet. Like, you'd be so drawn to him, you'd want to sit next to him, be, be near him at all times. That's why Mary was at his feet. Like, I'm not going to go make those sandwiches right now. I am looking at him. That is all I'm going to do, you know? Because of these fruits that were manifesting through him, just picture his kindness. Just his kindness. The most kind person you'd ever, ever, ever meet. You know, pure love, love that defends, you know, when when Mary of Bethany is pouring the oil and they're all criticizing her, and he's like, leave her alone, you know, love that defends, you know, that builds that person up and defends, you know, these things are like so, um, it's basically the fullness of Christ in us. When these fruits start to manifest in our lives, it's like the fullness of Christ. Through us, and that produces deep interior joy beyond. Right? This is how many people throughout history, who had such union with God and were really manifesting those fruits of the Spirit and walking at those levels, why they could go through anything and still have the joy of Christ paramount. Like that's they saw everything through that lens. And so it's really something that we ought to hunger and desire so much is we we want to get around this and, yes, begin to get the good habits and acquire virtues. But then we also want to pull on heaven and ask for the infused virtues. And then we want it to grow so much so that the fruits are coming out of us. Because when we get to these high levels of maturity, we're walking with heaven on the inside. It's holy. It's so, so awesome, so special. It's something we should all desire and want so much. And so I'm trying to just let that be salty to you so that you'll desire that because it's so, so unique and special. And we haven't maybe seen very many examples of that, people fully manifesting Christ at a really mature level. But I think we will. You know, I mean, the days are coming when right? Trials purify and people grow in the Lord in these difficult trials and I think we're going to start to see some manifestations of Christ in the earth through people and then we'll be like, whoa this guy's really walking in it what in the world, you know? I feel like we don't see that many examples of that, you know? Um, But I think we will, right? One day there's going to be two witnesses on the earth We, we see it in the word of God it's going to happen. The Lord says he's coming back for a mature bride. How's that going to happen? Well, probably through a lot of trials and tribulations, right, that purify us, That's it's going to bring us to another level so that we will be mature in the Lord and manifesting these fruits of Christ in the earth. Um, it's powerful. It's powerful to think about that. Um, so that is it for tonight. I'm going to just close up in prayer and then... Um, Next week, we'll get into more of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. I just touched on one tonight, so um, let's go ahead and close up in prayer, and then we'll go into a little more um, worship and prayer. Lord, we just thank you, and we just pray um, that you would give us such a hunger and a thirst, Lord, for your word, for you. For um, the seed that is Christ to come into the soil in our hearts and grow up to full maturity. Lord, that's what we're asking for, God. That none of us would be have stunted growth. But that the seed of Christ would come into us and it would manifest. And it would grow and it would be in good soil. And it would produce that fruit, that 30, 60, and 100-fold fruit. We ask you for that, Lord, for each one of us. And God, if there's any hindrances, Lord, any attachments that we have that are hindering us from this growth, God, I pray that you would pull out weeds right now in the soil of our hearts. Pull out weeds, whatever those are, whatever they are, pride, um, just attachment to things, worldly things, any kind of addictions. God, just Pull out those weeds, those weeds. Anything, and it could be, um, uh, it could be something that's not even like necessarily sinful, right? But it's a distraction. Lord, just pull out the weeds of distractions where we're so caught up in this, that, and the other thing that we just don't even spend time with you. So, God, we ask you, pull out the weeds of distractions in our lives and give us such a hunger to just get in our own prayer closet and get into the prayer room and get to know you mm-hmm. so that these virtues can grow in us, Lord, These acquired, that we might acquire good habits of getting into a lifestyle of prayer, that we might receive the infused virtues from the Lord on high, and that we can produce fruit 30, 60, and 100-fold. So God, we ask you, God, that we would be souls that would go to full maturity in Jesus' name.